Welcome in. It's another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, along with Blue Ribbon's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. It is always great to have you with us. We'll uh, hit on some of the topics as the teams make their way through early season practice and get ready to start the season just a few weeks, uh, the first week of November. November 6th, we'll see the uh, first college basketball games of the 23-24 season. This man has been super busy. He not only has the 43rd edition of Blue Ribbon out, the yearbook, you can find it, of course, uh, on the uh, digital version which I love, or the print version, as you get ready for this season ahead. Chris, I know you've been uh, getting those books out to as furiously as you can and, and have a book on the way to everybody who's uh, made that order. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, there's two rough stages of Blue Ribbon. Uh, the last two weeks of production and then the first week of, of, of fulfillment. And I'm a person that, you know, it's my company, so I like to have my finger on the pulse. So... I jump in there and help with fulfillment and, and it's it's a rough task because there's you know we're we're getting thousands of books out the door but uh it went really smooth i can't say enough about our printer they're sheridan uh they have eight locations but the one that serviced us is up in minneapolis they got our book done in 28 days uh it's it's a record uh we submitted it on uh, August 31st, and they got it back to us by September 28th. So uh, last year, as you recall, me tearing my hair out, uh, the printer we used was 31 days late. So it was into November before we actually got product and started mailing it out. And man, um, it's so much different in terms of the volume of my email and calls this right. year. Like, where's my book and stuff. But uh these people were great. I can't recommend them enough. If you have a book project that you do yourself, go to Sheridan Printing. Uh, I say that without hesitation. <laughs> nobody's uh, wrapped you in bubble wrap or anything this year yet, have they? No, no, nobody's wrapped me in bubble wrap. And I, I got to say, no one was injured or killed uh, in the production. Well, that's always a plus. In the, in the fulfillment of this book. Uh, minor injuries, uh, you know, a couple knuckle scrapes, uh, cuticles take a beating unloading books from boxes and and packing them back up for shipment but uh other than that okay i learned my lesson last year uh i really you know i really understand now why why uh kareem abdul jabbar played as long as he did uh he stretched he was one of the first to pioneer stretching and i got hip to my knees were really banged up after last year. We were really trying to fulfill the book in a hurry. And I went to um, the, the local uh, sports medicine clinic, fearing the worst, and they x-rayed me and said, you've just got runner's knee. Uh, let me give you some exercises. So I'm like, I chose one that, that works out your hamstring. And uh, if you work out your hamstrings, your knees, I mean, I heal my knees without uh, anti-inflammatories hmm. uh, just by staying diligent on that stretching. And I, I think that's why Kareem was able to play into his 40s. And, uh, you know, until LeBron came around, hold the all-time scoring record is he, he stretched. And so I've been doing back stretches and, and hamstring stretches. And, man, I, I feel like a punk again, you know. Is so, your sky hook getting any better? Uh, <laughs> I never had much of a sky hook, but I, I, I did have a killer little jump hook in in the day. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, um, so I can't recommend this enough to our listeners. Uh, do 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 your stretches, and and you will feel a lot better. And you will spend a lot less on ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I seem to spend a little bit on that myself. Uh, certainly not a stretch to pick Purdue Zach Eady as the preseason player of the year. There will be a lot of pressure on him and that team, of course, after last March's flame out in the first round as a number one seed. I just want to quickly revisit. I know we've uh, talked about this uh, a little while back, but for those who haven't seen it, uh, the preseason All-American team from Blue Ribbon includes E.D., Hunter Dickinson, who uh, made the move from Michigan to Kansas, Kyle Filipowski of Duke, Tyler Kolick, and Justin Moore. The top five for those who haven't seen it uh, in terms of teams, Kansas number one, then Purdue and UConn and Marquette and Michigan State, and then Tennessee, Duke, Arkansas, Creighton, and Baylor. Those are six through ten, Kentucky ranked number 11. So uh, just a little preview of what folks can see uh, if they open up that Blue Ribbon and take a look at the All-Americans and the uh, the top 10 and top 25 teams teams and it's really interesting to look at this stuff chris before the season and then after the season is over how, how much fun do you have when it's done revisiting your preseason picks uh, which include the, the all-americans uh you know sometimes i'm afraid to do that <laughs> but no we we do and and it is rewarding uh we get a lot of nice emails saying wow you guys were really on top of it i think the year florida won their first national championship under billy donovan we were right there in in predicting how good they could be and, and and how they had a legitimate chance. And I think that's when we really staked our reputation as prognosticators. But you never know. I mean, I, I've taken a little gentle ribbing for naming Hunter Dickinson our national newcomer of the year. But, heck, he's a newcomer to Kansas and Lawrence. So I I think he's he may be the best guy that uh, – well, for sure in the portal era – the best, most talented transfer. So, uh, but yeah, we, we get some of these things wrong. And then there's stuff like injuries. I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Tolu Smith, the Mississippi State. We had him on our second uh, All-American team, and we've heard he sustained an injury. So who knows if that'll come true? Uh, you, you just never know the variables. And there's some late player acquisitions, uh, like the, the big man Kentucky got. I know we're going to talk about that. We were able to get that in the book because my Kentucky beat writer, Larry Vaught, uh, keeps his ear to the pavement and knew that was coming down the pike. So, uh, but yeah, it's 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 dicey, I guess, but we, we try to make our best educated decisions. And I try to involve as many of our team as possible. I don't wanna be this all seeing, thinking, all knowing, <laughs> thinking I know all. Uh, <laughs> When you really can't, there's no way. As much as you study it, there's no way you can know everything. And and even as we go to press, stuff happens. Players are being added. And we're going to talk about this too. Uh, I hope it that'll be less of a factor as the NCAA takes control of that portal a little bit. Yeah, well, let's let's go to that because uh, quite a bit of the focus uh, on. You know, from Blue Ribbon and really around college athletics is about player movement with the transfer portal. And, and it's reflected in your opening comments in, in the book this year. The the portal taketh, the portal giveth, and uh, retention yeah. is the greatest form of recruiting. I saw both of those quotes. And, Chris, those are both very true statements. But in terms of uh, shrinking the, the portal window, that sounds like a good idea to me. I think so, too. I really thought it would be more, but from it's 45 days from, from uh, Selection Sunday – it used to be 60. I had heard they, they could go as low as 30. 
but they met somewhere in the middle, and I think that will help a great deal. It's tough on coaches for kids to wait till the last minute, enter the portal, and then leave, and then you really can't don't have a good opportunity uh, to replace them. Another thing that they did, graduate transfers will now have to have a notification of transfer by May 1st, and that was the one that was really tough because kids would graduate in summer school, some as late as August, and then say, sayonara, we're out of here. So uh, that's tough on, on coaches. I know Bob Marlin, a friend of mine, uh, the Louisiana coach, uh, he's had, you know, potential Sunbelt player of the year two of the last three years, grad transfer on him uh, to upper majors in, in, in the summer. And there's no way you can – there's no possible way you can – uh, replace uh, anybody good, let alone a potential player of the year in your league. So I think that's a fair deal. May 1st for grad transfers and 45 days after selection Sunday for uh, portal uh, players. And, you know, it, it, I've had so many people, uh, Blue Ribbon uh, fans, uh, write, call in and say, wow, it, it must really be tough to put this thing out in the portal era. And it is, but I got to confess a little bit of intrigue by it. I was one of those guys, and I know you remember this. Back in the day, the newspapers used to have the scoreboard section, and there'd be the transactions. And that was the first thing I would go to, you know, who got traded, who got hired by whom, one of the coolest stories that Sports Illustrated ever wrote, one year, they might have done it a couple of years, but they took one day of transaction, they picked five random people from those transactions, and they wrote a story profiling all five of those people. Hmm. And, you know, they I'm not saying they're randos, but they weren't like household names either. And it was cool to read that. I've always been intrigued by the possibility, and this goes back probably to my childhood and trades and baseball, but, you know, player acquisition. So in that way, the portal intrigues me and, and excites me and it challenges me because we look up until the last day we can uh, on there's certain websites that track player movement and I'm checking that and, a lot of times I'll find a player and I'll say, gone! I've got to edit him out of one story and into another. Uh, but luckily, I, I have a very efficient designer uh, who is used to the machinations of this book and this particular project. And we've got a really cool system for doing it. And we can update up until the last minute. It does make it really challenging with so many players on the move and uh, just tracking all that. I remember last spring after the season ended, looking at some of those websites and uh, just seeing how many players were entering each day, where they were going, some that didn't find new homes. I mean, just just so much uh, player movement, and it's just it's just become part of it. And, and recruiting your yeah. own players is such a, a key thing too. Um, there, there's also talk about uh, legislation to better protect student athletes in, in terms of gambling. And uh, the NCAA president Charlie Baker wants state lawmakers to pass that legislation uh, to prevent and protect student athletes from being harassed and coerced by gamblers. Uh, 
including mandatory hotlines for reporting threats, a minimum age of 21, funding for education about betting, uh, all this from an ESPN story. Uh, there have been several scandals, Iowa and Iowa State, uh, a lot of student athletes uh, in, involved there. The situation with Alabama baseball, there was some information that was given to a better before a game with LSU that resulted in their coach being fired. So uh, a, a lot of situations with gambling becoming more widespread and legal and more than just a couple places around the country and uh, so now you you, you need to, to counterbalance that with some things that uh, give the student athletes and, and those around the college program some protections I could almost answer that with one word duh mm-hmm. uh, when, when, when it was announced that I guess Congress was starting to expand uh, the areas in, in which uh, sports could be wagered upon uh i feared this would happen i I mean it was obvious it was going to happen according to one story i read the fbi has characterized threats by betters to student athletes as a growing issue and that's just another thing that's heaped on their shoulders and i don't know i i i don't i don't bet myself i don't look down on those who do uh it's so easy to do though i have many (laughs) many students um who take part in, in these online, you know, wagering uh, systems and man, they're heavily into it. And it's just like, dudes, man, you, you know, you, you're working as a waiter and you're blowing all your tips or, you know, wagering on games. I just don't see it, but I just really feared that, you know, we've had scandals in the past before, gambling was so widespread and i just thought you know you make it more widespread and you you leave athletes as sitting ducks to be i don't know intimidated with so i never did like it then and i like it even less after reading this I work at Vanderbilt, as everybody knows, and working in athletics there, there are very strict rules. Basically, you can't do it. You can't bet on on anything. You can't bet on any sport that Vanderbilt sponsors, whether you're talking about college or pro. So uh, it's very it's very easy for me. I just, you know, I I, I, even if even if I could, I don't know that I'd be really very interested in in betting on any games or anything like that. So uh, it's very simple for me. But uh, all this is really interesting in yeah you knew when things got a little more widespread that you're going to have to have some boundaries for that so um what we'll see and, and follow yeah the, Vandy, those even things. as a bowling team you got to watch yourself you can't <laughs> that's right that's right uh-huh. and uh and i also work part-time for the tennessee titans and they're very strict uh, about those oh, things yeah. with uh yeah in yeah, terms of football I, and, and fantasy leagues and those things too i i profess a total ignorance to spreads and where to find them and I, I just I've intentionally kept myself away from it. Uh, over the years, I've I've had offers uh, from from I don't know gambling sources uh, to run advertising in Blue Ribbon, and you know I literally turned down thousands uh, because I just wanted to establish and maintain this purity and 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 be in the good graces of the NCAA. Right. And ironically. Uh, one of my biggest customers is uh, a gambler's bookstore in in Las Vegas. They order 200 copies every year and sell out, you know, like hotcakes. And I've heard from some of the customers who buy from us and, you know, they play games of chance. And and they say the reason we do like your book is because you don't tout it as a gambling aid. It's uh, we love the purity of your information. So 
Yeah, my book is used for for games of chance, but I don't advocate it myself. I I don't look my nose down on anybody who does, but I certainly don't advocate it. Let's talk about uh, more personnel type things. And you mentioned injuries. Uh, Tolo Smith at Mississippi State uh, out indefinitely with a foot injury in practice. Uh, the thought is he could return during the SEC season, but that's talking about, say, sometime in January. UConn also poised to uh, make a run at repeating as national champions, and their sophomore center, Donovan Klingon, uh, sprained his foot. He's been in a boot. They are hoping to have him back for the season opener. But you're talking about a guy who's 7'3 and, and you know, upwards of 250-plus, and uh, you don't want to mess around with the foot injury for big guys man those are things that can and you've seen it you've seen it i have too those can really linger over the course of a season if that player doesn't just shut it down do what they need to do the rehab or whatever and get healthy and uh, i saw a uh, quote from danny hurley it was saying like if you see him around <laughs> campus walking around in the boot tell him to sit down yeah. or go see his teammates we, we don't need him out walking around we need him uh, uh resting that foot and getting ready for the season yeah, the last thing you need in your riot with big guys, there's so much pressure and pounding as you go down the floor. Uh, the last thing you want is for surgery to be performed and then uh, doctors to go in and put screws in or whatever. It's that fifth metatarsal, which I don't know a whole lot about that kind of stuff, but I, I know it's on the side of your foot. And uh, I mean, that... Mine hurts now, and and from, just from my workouts, and I'm only six four, and I might weigh one ninety, soaking wet. But these guys are upwards of two hundred fifty pounds, two eighty, and uh, you're right, they can linger. UConn got lucky. Klingon, who I think uh, will be a rising sophomore star, maybe one of the most impactful sophomores in the country, he got a little luckier than Tolu Smith. I I hate to see that for him. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope he will be back, uh, by, by, uh, by the start of SEC play. And Tolo's been a terrific player for them at Mississippi State uh, through a couple different coaches. Actually started his career at Western Kentucky and feels like he's played for a long time, but a, a terrific player, all SEC forward, and wish him the best in a, in a speedy recovery there from his uh, foot injury in practice. Texas A&M's Wade Taylor the fourth uh, saw him on on your All American teams and uh, yeah. seems like he, he's a pretty good choice for a preseason Player of the Year in the SEC. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I, I think uh, the thing about Texas A&M that they really I don't want to say bucked trends, but they were a team that would could get downhill on you, and they were really aggressive going to the rack, getting fouled, making free throws, and that was just. In, in this era of floor spacing and kids not even having to look at the three-point line, they don't care, fire away type thing, uh, Texas A&M kind of went the other way, and they sent their guys to the hoop. And uh, Wade Taylor is a master of that. They've got a bunch of guys that can do that. And uh, hats off to Buzz Williams. I mean, uh, Buzz is a different kind of guy uh, uh, and, and kind of dances to his own drummer, which I think is cool. And, his quotes are kind of out there a little bit, kind of mystic, kind of Bill Waltney. Uh, but he can coach some basketball. And and he had his guys going downhill. And I think in this day and age, that was like, wow, this is different now. Uh, we're going to have to, when we guard these guys, we're going to have to give them space, uh, take chances on them making threes on us, and make sure they don't get into the paint. And uh, – so, yeah, Wade Taylor, I, he's one of my favorites. And 
a guy that we put on the second All-America team, and I think he's worthy of that. Yeah, I, I saw Texas A&M in person uh, more than once last year, a couple times. the went down there, right? Yeah, we played down was there. Was that your with, first with time down there? It was, and that was a very cool place to play. And is it pretty wild? It, it really um, is. Yeah. It, it is, yeah. They had a great crowd. It was like a Saturday night game, and, and they were a good team. And they ended up winning the game basically on an offensive rebound by Anderson Garcia and then saw him again in the SEC tournament. And they were one of those teams – as you talk about, they can get downhill and get to the basket, and they can rebound and those things. But when they start making threes, they're really dangerous. Uh, only one new coach in the SEC this year as Chris Beard takes over at Ole Miss. And that's a little bit different from last season when it felt like uh, half the league had new coaches. So uh, that'll be something to watch uh, around the Southeastern Conference with, with year two with the, a lot of guys who are new faces last year. Yeah, last year there was 42% coaching turnover in that league. Six new coaches. Uh, I was on a radio show uh, last week talking about that, and we all know what happened at Texas. And I still say you're innocent until proven guilty in, in, in this country. And his ex-fiance uh, recanted the charges. Uh, but by that time, there was so much uh, pressure on Texas to make a move, they fired him. And I think Ole Miss did their due diligence. I know Keith Carter uh, covered him as a player. I, I don't think he made that decision lightly. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, and, and, and Chris Beard said in his opening press conference, that's not who I am. That's not who I'll be. So uh, I, I believe that. And, and I think people deserve second chances. I don't condone violence against women or anybody for that matter. So what he's done is come in and, and do what he always does. He finds a big time rim protector. He gets his kid from uh, uh, Western Kentucky that led the nation in in SWATs last year, and another kid from Oklahoma State. I, I don't know that they'll get him eligible because he's a two-time transfer. But their philosophy is, you know, we're going to pressure you on the perimeter because we've got this cleanup man in the in the post. So come at us if you dare. Jamarian Sharp is the big kid mm-hmm. from Western Kentucky, and. Uh, when he went to Western Kentucky, Rick Stansbury, who was a coach at the time, said, Chris, you've never seen anything like this kid. He's a circus. He's a freak show. And he was, daggone if he wasn't a riot, he, he averaged more than four blocks. And so Chris Beard's going to instill that kind of defensive mindset there. And he's going to get good players. Uh, there's no question. And the thing about Chris Beard and, and other coaches like him uh, and, and when I say like him, I mean with junior college head coaching experience. Chris Jans at Mississippi State immediately turned that program around. Steve Forbes at Wake Forest immediately turned that program around. Uh, uh, Grant McCaslin, now at Texas Tech, immediately turned uh, uh, North Texas around. All with junior college uh, backgrounds. And the reason that's so vital is because at JUCO, you're used to starting from scratch every year, rebuilding your team totally from top to bottom. And, you know, it translates to D1 because you know that you have the ability to not only find players, but get them to mesh quickly. And it's it's no secret that all these guys are quick change, quick fix artists. And I expect Chris Beard to be the same way at Ole Miss. 
Uh, speaking of big guys uh, on the move, Kentucky will have a 7-2 Croatian, and I hope I'm saying his name right. You mentioned him earlier. Zvonimir Avisic. Uh, he's enrolled in school. He committed to the team back in August, and uh, they have Antonio Reeves back. They also have a, a big recruiting class with DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, and Reed Shepard, among others. But uh, that, that seems like a good ad for John Calipari's team, especially trying to replace that inside presence that Oscar Shibway has provided for him the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, we knew he was coming. But we didn't know that he'd be eligible. And just recently, they found out, uh, I guess it was Thursday, they found out he was eligible. I, I went back and watched tape of, of this kid, and, and he is he is a force. Uh, he can he, he reminds me a little bit of Chet Holgram, who went to Gonzaga. I'm not saying that he, he is uh, Chet Holmgren, but what he is is a guy that can – block shots he's got a huge wingspan uh he he's a rim runner who can catch lobs and dunk it uh and he can also make threes so you know if if we knew that this kid was going to be eligible at the start i think we we would have put kentucky preseason top 10 and it's pretty amazing because i don't know as the summer began we debated whether to even put uh kentucky in our top 25 and then uh, Bob Huggins went out for a joyride after having a few too many and uh, got fired at West Virginia, which means Trey Mitchell entered the portal, headed straight for, for Kentucky. And then right after that, Antonio Reeves, who was uh, rumored to be taking classes at Illinois State so he could graduate and go somewhere else, was going to leave Kentucky. And he comes back. And all the while, uh, when people interviewed Cal, he was like, "Yeah, not worried, not worried at all." And the the fans were doing backflips; they were so panicky. And he was like, "No, we're going to restock." And I don't know. There's a lot of people that think this might be his best team since that 2012 national championship. We'll see. But I know one thing: the big man Ivisic, uh he's a force and. If he can acclimate quickly to the college game, uh, he's going to make a difference. I've had a chance to uh, get out and see some practice with the team that, of course, uh, I call the games for, and that is Vanderbilt. Uh, saw him some uh, the other day. Talked to Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Magnon, and, boy, I think those guys have a chance to be a really good guard combo, one of the best in the SEC and certainly as experienced as everybody. Uh, as far as our team, it looks more athletic. Don't have big guys like Liam Robbins or Quentin Malore Brown or guys that big anyway that we've seen the last few years. But just kind of looking forward to seeing what uh, some of the new guys have to offer to go with uh, some returning players. Colin Smith figures to take a step forward. Same thing for the guard, Paul Lewis and Lee Dort. But uh, it, it was interesting to get out watching practice and uh, maybe having them feel like that the, the season's not too far away. They they refinished the floor. And you, you walk through the gym and you smell that smell and, and and you're ready to roll again, so uh, it won't be long. And uh, just really excited about getting the season started here in a few weeks. Yeah, we're less than a month away. I, I, it's hard to believe, you know, the the opening day, uh, as it were, is November 6th. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to starting to see some teams play and, and uh, see, like you said earlier, see how correct we are with Blue Ribbon. And, you know, it, it really makes me glad now that, I I found a printer that that is equal to the task of of what we produce at Blue Ribbon and got it out quickly so people can get the book in their hands and man like I said we're less than three weeks away from from uh, tipping it up and 
uh, the SEC uh, and uh, as, as it relates to Vanderbilt and I mean beyond those top four uh, you could probably throw a blanket over yeah. most of the rest of the league and uh, it's going to be a, a dog fight and wow next year it's going to be even crazier when you add Texas and Oklahoma yeah, and uh, the, the scheduling, I'm sure, will be a little different, too. Uh, a couple more notes as we finish up. I saw one uh, bit of good news since we've spoken last. The Nally Invitational will still be played. They're going to move it to the Hawaii campus in Honolulu. In fact, in the, uh, the same building where we were a couple years ago uh, when we played out in the in the Diamond Head tournament. But glad they're still going to have that event after just that tragedy in, in Lahaina where they had the fires. I know they're still using the Civic Center where they usually play the tournament. Uh, they're using that for some relief efforts, but uh, it's just a great field uh you look at all the teams that are in there including kansas and tennessee and syracuse purdue gonzaga uh chaminade ucla and marquette that is a stacked and loaded field that might be about as good of an eight team field as they've ever had for that thing i was gonna say i think so too and i was terrible tragedy uh what happened on maui and and uh you know our thoughts go out to everybody involved in that crisis but uh I am glad that the players are able to go to the Big Island and 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 play because that that's a highlight trip, as you know. Not many people, except my buddy Kevin, got to visit Hawaii twice in in what nine months. Yeah, I'd never Dog. been in my in my first fifty years. I went zero times, then I went twice in nine months. Uh, that, that's so cool. My for, brother for basketball is and football. there as we speak. Is that uh, right? He's sending pictures back and. Uh, I envy that. Uh, I'm still not a great flyer. Maybe one of these days, uh, actually talk to a hypnosis about that, you know, uh, and seeing if I can kind of expel some some uh, memories of a bad flight I was For on sure. once. Well, that, that's, uh, but, that's uh, very understandable. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm glad they were able to re- – because the, the rumor was is that they were going to go to Vegas. And, yeah. and I'm not saying uh, Vegas is a, is – a, you've been there and it's a and i've been there it's a crazy town too and a great place for for a tournament but you know as you know now uh going out there to the big island um that is a great great trip and and i cannot remember a maui field any tougher than this this is brutal so uh i know tennessee the tennessee coaches were like Really hoping they could get Zakai Ziegler back. And by the way, uh, for those who hadn't heard, Zakai Ziegler obviously tore his ACL in late February. He is already back on the floor doing limited workouts. And nobody is discounting in that program, nobody is discounting him being back uh, for the opener. Now, I think they're going to exercise great caution with him, but he's thrown himself into his rehab just like he has his entire life. He's a competitor and he's brave, and uh, he he may be back. So that's a really good team. I don't know if they can win Maui, but they're going to have a chance uh, for sure. And there's going to be some good teams that they come back home with two losses. So uh, we'll see how it all goes here in a few weeks. But Zakai yeah. Ziegler is, is one of those guys uh, you, you root for. Just his story is really no remarkable. Question. And uh, he felt bad for the entry last year. So hopefully a speedy recovery for him too. And uh, it's a long trip out to Hawaii. And as we finish up, it's not nearly as long of a trip as they've uh, made on Ahsoka, which uh, the, yeah. is a Star Wars series we've been watching. Uh, I did not realize that last week's episode was the last one of this season. 
it's been a very complicated storyline. My son Reed has enjoyed that series maybe more than I have, and a lot of it relates to the animated series, uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels series that they put out there, and Ahsoka relates to those and has characters that were in those, so he understood it a little better than I did, but I found the whole thing a little bit complicated. It was really well done, as all of those series typically are, but uh, I would be interested to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm like you. Uh, my, my son also watched uh, the Clone Wars my son-in-law, who's a huge Star Wars fan, he's got some of the original toys still in their packages. That's how big a fan he is. Uh, they they watched all that stuff, and they, they both directed me to some uh, YouTube videos that can kind of catch you up to those series in 20 minutes and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I watched them. I liked the series. Mainly, I liked the character of Ahsoka, and I love Rosario Dawson, the mm-hmm. actress. There were some new people that you you had to learn who they were and and some new threads of of the immense Star Wars story. Now the bad guy is Admiral Thrawn and and you know they they've all got this like you, didn't you learn from the last guy you're you're not going to win man the force is just like it's going to get you. Uh, but I kind of like weird. the Grand I mean, Admiral. I think he's a, he's a good villain. I like Grand Admiral Thrawn. I no, he no, he is he is and, and uh, you know there were some other. Other villains in there, uh, the Great Mothers uh, and Morgan Elsbeth, they were dealing in a little witchcraft uh, uh, as if things weren't uh, wild enough with, with the Force and, and the Jedis and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it, it got a little complicated, but I really, uh, my my son-in-law, who has been an exacting critic of of the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett and and some of the others, but I texted him just to see what he thought of that finale, and he said Star Wars is fun again. So uh, I think he's just an old school, you know, Seven Samurai. Uh, I know my my son uh, is is a film historian and and a student of of Japanese cinema, and the Seven Samurai is, is a famous. Japanese film that George Lucas uh, uh, bowed heavily to in the construction of of the Star Wars universe. So I think my son and son-in-law, both named Chris, uh, really uh, confusing at, at holiday dinners. Uh, <laughs> I think they both like that samurai uh, theme of, of Star Wars. And if you like that, uh, Ahsoka has it for you uh, tons because uh, a lot of lightsaber battles and I just really love Rosario Dawson in, in 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 the role of Ahsoka because she plays it just so cool. I mean, she's always kind of like got this little grin on her face, like I'm going to kick your butt. You just don't know it yet. Uh, I like all the characters. Uh, I think it was a great show. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll follow John uh, Favreau and Dave Filoni, the showrunner of all these spinoff uh, TV shows on Disney. I'll follow wherever they want to take me. Um, I trust them. I trust the team they put together, the actors and the, the the producers and the directors and the great team they've got from Industrial Light and Magic, which is the bunch that George Lucas started to to manufacture all these effects and and now of course they they have electronics and green screens and things, so they can just do so much and. And with really relatively so little. Yeah. Uh, and I just love these shows and uh, not as much as basketball, but but I do love them. 
You're like the showrunner for our podcast, so uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll, g- I'll give you that title too for for this. I like that. Uh, we uh, talk- but you're the traffic cop. <laughs> I, I, I kind of drive the ship, uh, try to be like Han Solo or something. Uh, we talk basketball. We usually talk some Star Wars on here. But Chris, real quick before we wrap up, for folks who want that forty third edition of the uh, Blue Ribbon Yearbook, how can they find it? Absolutely. You can just go to blueribbonyearbook.com. That's all one word, blueribbonyearbook.com. We are shipping daily. And Chris will, never thought I'd get to say that. He will personally put it in the envelope and it'll uh, be on, on the way to your doorstep. A lot of times I will. All right. <laughs> He's the main man, the uh, the editor, publisher, owner of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. And uh, Chris, always a lot of fun. Enjoy our time together. Thanks, buddy. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. That's the Blue Ribbon Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.